Hey there, I'm Dana, a registered dietitian and registered dietitian exam tutor. And this is my podcast where we go over all of the questions that have been posted to my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Study Group with Dana over the past week. And we not only chat about the answers, but why are they the answers as well as answer any questions that students have posted on the page throughout the week. This is a weekly podcast, so be sure to tune in each week for new questions. And of course, I would love to see any of you guys at the live version of this on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. First question we have is from a student who says, when thinking about fatty acids with what is the most saturated versus most polyunsaturated, what does this mean? And this is a perfect question because this is exactly what I'm talking about when you need to focus on understanding and knowing the material. Just reading through the MN or doing pocket prep questions is great, but sometimes it's really easy to go, okay, yeah, 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 I know that. But you want to start with those base topics, thinking about what does saturated mean? What does poly versus mono mean? And so let's start kind of with our base understanding. So if we're thinking about back to our biochemistry and we're thinking about the structure of a fatty acid. So it can be helpful with this too because I know audio is always a little bit hard. So if you have a little piece of paper, grab it to kind of draw it out, otherwise, you know, we'll kind of imagine in our head. So when we're thinking of the fatty acid, and let's just keep it simple, let's pretend we have two carbons. So we have our two carbons, and each carbon can have four bonds. So those can be the hydrogen or to the carbon. So if I have my first carbon, it's gonna have one bond to hydrogen, another bond to hydrogen, a third bond to hydrogen, And that fourth bond will be to the next carbon. That carbon will have the first bond to the other carbon, second bond to hydrogen, third bond to hydrogen, fourth bond to hydrogen. So when we say saturated, that means that the carbon molecule has four bonds to different things. When we say unsaturated, that means there's a double bond. So let's take our two carbon example where we said we have two carbons, they each have three hydrogens attached, and then one single bond going between them. Now, if I were to make it unsaturated, what this means is that there would now be a double bond between the carbons. But the double bond is going to count as two. So we're going to drop a carbon from each of, I mean, sorry, we're going to drop a hydrogen from each of those carbon bonds, and that's gonna make it unsaturated. So when you're talking about, when you're talking about saturated versus unsaturated, saturated means that there, every single carbon has four bonds on it. Unsaturated means there's double bonds. Monounsaturated means there's one double bond. Polyunsaturated means there's multiple double bonds. So when we're thinking about our most unsaturated fatty acid, that's going to be our safflower oil. So you want to make sure that you think about the different types of fatty acids. And you guys know I love Google Images. So if this is a topic you struggle on, search on Google Images structures of fats. And that's a great thing to kind of print out, put in your notebook too, because it's all about how many double bonds 
that we're having there. Next question we had was from a student who was asking about the difference between oxidation and reduction. And she was saying, you know, is this an umbrella term? What does it mean? And this is kind of like our first question, kind of keeping in the biochem-esque world, because there's a lot of vocab. And when I was making the biochem course, and remember that's up for sale on my website if you need to review it, so much of my time with making that course was making sure we're getting all the definitions together, because very similar to the one we just talked about, it's really easy to kind of blaze over them. So when we're talking about oxidation, this is when we're breaking down a molecule and it's losing our electrons. So what I like to think is if I have my little molecule, I'm removing the electrons with oxidation, which would help it kind of, you know, oxidize. Like if it was like in a pool, it would be like less heavy and could come up to breathe. So I think, you know, if I have my molecule and it had my electrons on it, maybe it's sinking in the pool. I take the electrons off and I can oxidize it. It's kind of right. It's kind of rising up. Verse when we're thinking about reduction, Reduction is the transfer of the electrons um, between two different molecules, too. So with a reduction, you're increasing the number of electrons. And when I think about a reduction versus oxidation, for whatever reason in my mind, I almost feel like reduction should be losing electrons. But it's the opposite. So think about oxidation. Your little molecule is floating in the pool underneath the water because it's so heavy with your electrons, I take off the electrons to oxidize it and it can kind of come back up to the surface. Next question we have is from another student who says she came across this question in InMin, um, domain four, and the question is HACCP, right? And remember HACCP is our hazard analysis critical control points. It says HACCP standards would be similar for which of the following? And she said, I was trying to come up with a rationale for this, um, and she wasn't sure. And this is definitely why I really encourage you guys to post questions on this page so we can answer them in the live and on the podcast, because the biggest problem with Inman, I mean, I always recommend go through your Inman questions if you haven't already but it takes a lot of time because there's no explanations. And when you go through the questions, if you have taken my RD exam prep course, you know that you want to make sure that you are understanding what they mean. So let's look at this one. So it says HACCP standards would be similar for which of the following products. So we have canned corn, frozen corn, fresh chicken, and frozen chicken. C is fresh beef and frozen chicken. And then D is frozen beef and frozen corn. And so we have to kind of think about what is HACCP. So when I teach HACCP in my domain four classes, what I like to tell my students is remember, HACCP isn't like a lot of the other acronyms where like every letter is a step. HACCP name is only the first two pieces of the puzzle. So the first one is our hazard analysis, and then we have our critical 
And then we have our critical control points. And that's only the first two steps of what we're, what we're actually doing. What we want to think about with HACCP is you're kind of basically kind of looking around and thinking about what, what could go wrong and let me put into place a plan to kind of prevent it. So our first step would be conduct a hazard analysis. So we're kind of like, okay, what, what could be going wrong? Oh, well, a mouse could get in the food or the temperature could go off or, you know, it could expire, all these different things that could happen. And I always like to use Milton as an example in my class. So first thing would be saying, well, what's going to go wrong with the milk? Then I would determine the critical control points. So let's just say for simplicity, we're going to focus on temperature. So I'm saying, okay, well, where could the temperature of milk go wrong? Um, maybe at receiving, storage, transporting it to the patient. That's my second step of saying, where, where are those critical control points? Step three is establish a critical limit. What I'm thinking here is, you know, what temperature range do we want the milk in? What, what's ideal? The next step is establishing monitoring procedures. So this might be I'm monitoring the temperatures with a thermometer. Um, then I would establish a corrective action. So think about if I hit the critical limit, what do I do? Do I throw away the milk? Do I cool it down? What do I do? Then we also want to have a verification process. So how are we going to make sure this is followed? You know, should I include it in a worker's job description? Is it going to be required to do it every hour? And then the last thing is establishing records and documentation. So now that we can kind of think about what HACCP is, we're saying what would be the most similar? So I'm thinking about what would have a very similar plan? And the best answer here would be the two frozen products because kind of the time temperature safety concerns are gonna be the same. We're worried about them potentially defrosting or also when we're cooking them, getting them up to a safe to a safe temperature. Versus all the other ones, they're in kind of two different phases, right? The HACCP for canned corn is going to be very different than frozen corn. Fresh versus frozen meat is going to be very different than, you know, than each other. So the answer why it's frozen beef and frozen corn is because they're having you know, kind of the same HACCP concerns and we could make a plan that kind of works for both of them first because they're both frozen. So definitely a great question um, and one that you wanna make sure that you understand. Um, next one is not a question, but a reminder um, that I made a new Instagram page. I've always had my Dana JF nutrition one um, forever, but now, I've finally made one that's called Dietetics with Dana on Instagram. And this one is going to kind of be similar to the Facebook page um, where it's like just RD exam. Um, and I made this just because with the private practice, I have too many different clients on my main Instagram page. So Dana JF Nutrition is going to be more like private practice. And then Dietetics with Dana is going to be more focused on RD exam too, which is fun because it will make it more niche. So definitely, if you haven't already, give that a follow. 
um, too. Okay, and then uh, back to the HACCP question. We have a question on the live, and remember, that's always a big benefit of coming to the Facebook Lives when we record these classes coming live, you can always ask. Okay, so the question is, I had a HACCP question on my exam. I feel pretty good about this information too, but it got me, of course. There were two answers that question was right. I need to look back at my notes, and I'll send you the question later. No, of course, I always love to get your guys' questions. Um, and like I did kind of in the example, you want to make sure that you know the seven steps of HACCP. That's definitely kind of the main thing you want to be knowing. And think about an example for each one too. Because they love to kind of ask like, is this following HACCP? And then like even kind of simple fact-based questions about, you know, what's the third step? So definitely make sure if you don't have them down, write down the steps um, too. And always happy to kind of help you guys with questions you've seen on the exam. You can always submit them on the Facebook page, or if you don't have Facebook, just email them to me at DanaJFireNutrition at gmail.com. Okay, next one we have from a student, and it's a question uh, of, of my arch nemesis, Quizlet. Now, you guys probably hear me talk about every week about Quizlet. It is great. It's a really great free resource, but Please, if you are questioning a question, post it on the page because just we don't know who makes the questions and I don't want you guys studying something that's wrong. So if you're going into Quizlet and you're reading something, you're like, this just doesn't seem right. Please question it. Ask me, email me, put it on the page because Quizlet's really great to test your knowledge, but I don't want you going to it to kind of learn the whole topic, if that makes sense. Because a lot of times the questions were maybe not copied incorrectly or they're a little bit off. So I absolutely love when you guys post on the page and you're like, I'm confused. So here's a student who did exactly that and I'm here to help you guys. Um, so she said, I saw this question on Quizlet and I just wanted to clarify what type of additive is ascorbic acid vitamin C? Um, and she said in Quizlet, it was said preservative, but I was thinking antioxidant. And when I looked it up on Google, it said antioxidant. Could it be both or is one answer better than the other? So great question. So vitamin C ascorbic acid can be both. What you want to be looking for too is why is it in the product? Because vitamin C is an antioxidant, that's a big reason why it's used, right, to preserve products. So when we're talking about vitamin C in foods, usually the reason why it's added to the food is to help preserve the food. Versus when you're thinking about what's the reason we eat vitamin C, it's more for kind of the antioxidant effects it has on our body. So yes, it, it can absolutely um, be used for both, but you want to kind of be thinking about how is the question asking you? Is it saying, why would ascorbic acid be added to food? It's not going to be added to food usually because of vitamin C. It's usually added for the preservative. And even I was eating, what was I eating the other day? I think it was Trader Joe's like apple, like dried apple crisp. They were great. But I was always, when I buy products like that, I just check the label to see what's in it. And it 
right, said, oh, apple crisps or apple chips or whatever it said. And then said ascorbic acid for freshness, right? They're not adding the vitamin C in, they're not adding the vitamin C in there to help me get, you know, vitamin C. It's just an added benefit of it. So that's why it's in there. So like food additive wise, it's going to be because it's for preservative. Um, so definitely a great question on there. Okay. And then we got another live one. Um, so one student is saying, I had a question on my exam on GIR, which remember is glucose infusion, right? Not GFR, right? Glomerular filtration, right? I, um, and she was asking, you know, can we explain how to calculate GIR? Great question too. Um, so when we're thinking about GIR, we want to be thinking about what it is, right? So it's glucose infusion, right? This is going to be a goal of having it under three, I'm not three, um, four to five milligrams per kilogram per minute. Because this is a calculation I do on my TPN patients to make sure I'm not giving that specific person too much glucose. Because I can handle a lot less glucose than someone who's much bigger than me, right? Because it's proportional to your size. So with glucose infusion rate, we want to think of our ideal range in minimal, say, four to five, clinically, and I have my CNSC, which is Certified Nutrition Support Clinicians, because I specialize in TPN, and you, I use less than five. So the exam's not going to say, oh, is it, you know, less than, you know, is it less than four to five, the answer, or is it less than five? It's the same thing. And what we're thinking with that is our units are milligrams per kilogram per minute in the day. How I like to teach it is you're really just solving for milligrams of glucose because they're always going to tell you the patient's weight. Maybe you have to convert it, right? But remember, if they give you pounds, just divide by 2.2. And then there's always 14, 40 minutes in a day. So they're really just asking you for milligrams of dextrose. So let's say I have, like I had a patient the other day, let's do her, who was fit 65 kilograms. And I want to say her TPN was giving her like 250 glucose, grams of glucose. I don't remember. We're going to see if this math works. So the TPN order is 250 grams of glucose. Now I need milligrams. So either we can do my personal favorite where we type in 250 to the calculator and then we just add three zeros or multiply it by a thousand, whatever one works for you. So I'm giving her 250,000 milligrams, right? Milligrams of glucose. I'm going to think back to my units, milligrams per kilogram per minute. I already have my kilograms, 65, and then minutes in the day is 1440. So my math that should be set up is 250,000 milligrams divided by 65 kilograms divided by 1440 minutes. So let's do that math in our calculators. Let's see. So when we do that, we get 2.6 milligrams per kilogram per minute, which is absolutely safe. So remember with GIR, your biggest thing is you want to remember you're solving for milligrams. 
Keep your units tight and get it right. You're doing milligrams divided by kilograms, which will always give you the weight, and then minutes is always 1440. So doing that, and again, just pick random weights, pick random amounts of glucose and kind of practice your math. Um, there's also a good amount of GIR questions on the Facebook page. So if you do a little search for GIR, that can definitely really help. But a topic too that's, it might be small, but it's important to get. And especially if your rotations didn't have TPN, definitely check out the TPN recorded course. It's $10 on the website. But great question. Thanks for asking it live. Um, next question we have is what micronutrients do we need to supplement for renal patients and why? Definitely just for our CKD patients, really big ones are vitamin D. Remember, vitamin D is activated in the kidney. Also, calcium. We're really worried about osteoporosis with them. Now, if they're on hemodialysis, we also worry about their B vitamins, vitamin C as well, because they're having a lot of losses of, of water-soluble vitamins um, too. So you want to watch on those questions are they dialysis or not? Because that really dictates the water soluble. And remember that your PD, right, peritoneal dialysis patients will need more protein and more water soluble vitamins than um, your hemodialysis patients because they're doing it more often. Thanks for tuning in for this week's practice question review. Don't forget that we are doing these live on my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Tutoring with Dana RD, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I would love to have you join live. You can also head to my website, danajfnutrition.com, to find out about the latest classes as well as study tips and services. Thanks for tuning in.